You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show, episode 134, Bringing Your Children to Jesus. Hey, I'm Jeff Cavins. How do you simplify your life? How do you study the Bible? All the way from motorcycle trips to raising kids, we're going to talk about the faith and life in general. It's The Jeff Caven Show. Welcome, my friend, to another show this week. Good to be with you. Always is. And in this case, I am coming back fresh from Poland. That's right. We went with uh, a great group of people to Poland for a pilgrimage. Father Josh Johnson joined joined us along with Father Todd Lloyd, and man, they were super priests on the on the pilgrimage, and we really had a a great time. I've never been there before, and I didn't really know what to expect. I I, I simply. I simply knew that there were great saints that came out of Poland, and I think what makes this pilgrimage a little bit different, which I think we're going to do another one if you're interested, is that uh, so much of what we looked at, you know, and so many of the places that we went to were just in recent history, World War II, and World War II, of course, broke out September 1st, 1939, when the Nazis invaded Poland. And that's where we were. And out of all of that difficulty and the, and the horror of the of the Holocaust came saints. And uh, we had the the privilege of of visiting uh, Maximilian Kolbe's uh, ministry, where he he put together uh, his his um, his uh, print material that that really changed changed the world. It really did. He was kind of ahead of his time. And of course, he was martyred in cell eighteen of block eleven at Auschwitz when he gave his life for another another man. And we visited that cell, and that was that's life transforming when you're when you're there and you see this what this man did. And he's become, I think, a part of my posse now. You know, <laughs> he wasn't before, but now he is really, really special. Uh, Sister Faustina, Saint Faustina, we we visited the Divine Mercy Shrine there in Krakow, and uh, had a wonderful presentation from a just a beautiful uh, sister. Her name was Sister Faustina. She was given that name, which I I can only imagine was a tremendous, uh, tremendous privilege. Uh, we also had the opportunity to uh, to look into. To um, uh, Saint Benedict of the Cross, Edith Stein, who also died uh, in the Holocaust. But I'd, I'd have to say that the the highlight for me was Saint John Paul the Great. Oh wow! Uh, everywhere you go in Poland, there he is. Everywhere there's shrines. Uh, he changed. He changed that that whole. The whole world, he really, really did. And and one of the highlights for me was when we we went to Vadovice, his hometown, and we were able to go into his home. And it's only three rooms, and you have a living room, you have a, a bedroom, and then on the other end you have a, a small kitchen. And I was able to sit in that kitchen and look at the church next door, which had such a profound impact on his life. And his home is now connected to a museum, which is one of the best I've ever seen in terms of going into someone's life. Even the the gun that, that was used to shoot him back in 1981 uh, was there buried in the floor with plexiglass, kind of eerie in a way. And then in Krakow, they had a... Um, uh, it's a whole shrine. Uh, it's a, it's like a center, the John Paul II Center, and there you know, there's the cassock that he was wearing when he was shot, blood on it, and I was able to kneel before that and just really review 
you know, suffering and and the the power of of redemptive suffering. And I, I have so many things I could share with you, and I and I and I hope to. But the the reason I'm doing the show this week, I'm bringing your children to Jesus, is that Carol Wojtyla, Pope John Paul II's father, uh, he had a, an amazing impact on young Carol Wojtyla. And he would grow up, as I said, right next to the church. But his father's influence was really, really powerful. And so I'm going to talk on a later podcast about John Paul II and these saints that we visited in Poland. But I just felt compelled to share this topic with you today, bringing your children to Jesus. You know, I remember a couple years before Pope John Paul II passed away, opportunity to go to Rome and to visit with John Paul uh, the Great, and uh, to have a private audience in his personal library, his private library there in Rome, and that was a that was a game changer for me. Uh, I remember when I got the message at the hotel from his secretary Zivich that the Holy Father would see us, and it was going to be uh, not in the morning but in the evening, which is kind of unusual. Uh, I'll tell you what, em- Emily was nervous. I was nervous, thinking we're going to go see the Vicar of Christ. You know, we're going to see. Uh, the one with the keys of Peter, keys to the kingdom. And I remember going into, bringing my family into uh, his library, and I turned the corner, and there he was sitting in in his uh, Dominican habit, and I'm like stunned, I'm numb, I don't even know really what what to say at that point. And we went over, we knelt down in front of him, and uh he he. Uh, I gave him a copy of the Bible timeline. To be honest with you, it was an uh, as an otherworldly experience. If you've ever visited with the Pope privately, it uh, it's unreal. It's really unreal. But I remember what he said. I I told him about the Bible timeline, and he looked at me and he said, "I want to bless your children, your family," and I thought. That's great. I mean, do it. And and so he gave a rosary to each one of us, and he reached out and he touched our children. And I remember him grabbing Jackie's face. Jackie's our middle daughter. And we have an amazing picture from the side where Pope John Paul II is staring into Jackie's eyes, and he's only about a foot away. And he has her cheek, her face, cupped in his hand. And it is one of the most beautiful sights. And I remember... After that meeting with Pope John Paul II, thinking to myself, put a fork in me, I'm done. I brought my children to the vicar of Christ. I brought my children to the one who has the keys to the kingdom. And and that was an amazing experience to know that a saint touched my children. And, And since then, I have several times reminded my children, you know what, you were touched by a saint. And uh, when they were younger, that probably didn't mean quite as much as hopefully it will mean as they grow older. But I got to thinking, you know, that that uh, to be touched by the Pope is an amazing thing. But to be touched by Jesus, that is truly, truly remarkable. And the 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 story the Bible's filled with, with stories about people bringing others to Jesus. You know, you have in Capernaum, uh, the man let down through the roof. They brought this man. They broke a, a place in the roof. They they lowered him down so that Jesus could touch him. They we don't know who they are, but they're called they. In fact, there's a there's there's a lot of people in the Bible called they. They brought the sick. They brought the demon possessed to Jesus. 
Also, Andrew, of course, bringing his brother Peter, who became the first, the vicar of Christ, you know, first pope. And uh, uh, he is credited with bringing his brother to Jesus so that Jesus could touch him. This reading in the gospel is really my springboard. It's from Matthew chapter 19 and verses 13 through 15. And before I read this, let, let me just say, if you are a parent, uh, you have an incredible responsibility, an awesome responsibility to bring your kids to Jesus. The way it is right now in our culture, uh, your kids are not most likely not going to just stumble upon upon Jesus. The way this works is that people bring other people to Jesus. And that's the pattern and as parents we have that responsibility. But I'm if I if if you're like me, there are times where uh you get a little bit uh frustrated with yourself because you suddenly realize I'm not doing this. I'm not really bringing my children to Jesus so that he can touch them, but I need to. And in this show, uh, particularly in the last half of the show, I'm going to give you a number of ideas on how you can bring your children to Jesus. Now listen to the gospel here. It says in Matthew 19, then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Ah, can you imagine that? Bringing your children to Jesus. And he lays his hands on them. That must have been an incredible experience. Not just an experience like meeting a rock star. I mean, that's cool enough in itself, you know, if you want to put Jesus at the rock star level. But the the grace and the mercy, the love of God, the life-transforming touch that comes from him, the, the virtue that leaves him and goes into your children is incredible. If Jesus were here in the flesh today, would you want your kids to touch him? I bet you would. You're going to have to bring them to him. And the good news is he is here and he is real and you can touch him, taste and see that the Lord is good. Parents, the question is not whether your children will have a relationship with God. The question is what type of relationship will they have with him? And you play such a significant role in bringing your kids to Jesus so that they are uh, they, they, they are exposed to who he is and what he taught and his love and his grace. Nobody else is going to take this as seriously as a parent in bringing their children to Jesus. That's your responsibility and mine. And if you don't have kids yet, this is something that we still need to hear. We still need to hear, you may have kids in the future, but even if you never have children, if you're a priest, you're religious, or a generous single person, we still have a responsibility to bring people to Jesus and allow his power to saturate their life, to change them in a powerful way. The responsibility for introducing the children to the depths of God God fell primarily upon the home, and the manner of instructions seems largely informal in bringing children to Jesus. A father taught as the opportunity presented itself in daily life, like in Deuteronomy chapter 32. You can look that up. It says never, never. Uh, um, it says in uh, Genesis eighteen nineteen. This is a this is a powerful, very very powerful. Never underestimate the power of godly living. 
uh, this was uh, a scripture that, that dealt with Abraham and why Abraham was chosen, and it has to do with his relationship with his children. It says in Genesis 18, 19, for I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. So the role of a father is very important in bringing people to the Lord and directing children. One of the greatest scriptures that I want to share with you comes from Deuteronomy 6 through 4, and it is, it's incredibly powerful. It's called the Shema, S-H-E-M-A, and I'll put this in the show notes. If you don't get show notes, send me an email the Jeff Caven Show at ascensionpress.com. I'll give you all the show notes for all the shows coming up. They'll be sent to you automatically. So we'll take care of that. Don't want you pulling off on the side of the road. The Shema is very, very key because the scripture I'm about to read to you about the impact that we, uh, we want our children to experience with God, uh, that is dependent upon the parents. And Deuteronomy 6, the context for it, is the children of Israel, after coming out of Egypt and living 40 years in the desert, they're about to take the promised land by taking Jericho first. But before they cross over, Moses gives them the key to succeeding in a foreign land, in a land where they sacrifice children. They want your sons and daughters. Here's how you do it. He says, now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Now listen here to Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. In these words, this is important, this is the word of God, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That's amazing, isn't it? It's Deuteronomy chapter 6, 1 through 9 I'll put it in the show notes, but it tells us some very significant things. It, it talks to us about the importance of the Word of God in your daily life, for your children to come into contact with God through the Word. He says, these words I command you shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. That is one of the primary ways that our children can touch Jesus, is if we will teach them his words. And again, I recommend to you uh, the Great Adventure uh, Children's Bible Story book, the Kids' Bible Story book. Ascension Press puts it out. It's, a, it's an ingenious 
book that uh, allows you to take your children chronologically through salvation history and scripture with a real Bible, and then to come back and have an explanation in the work in the in the children's study book or the storybook rather at a third grade level. Check it out uh, at ascensionpress.com. It's part of the Great Adventure series, and I just. I just throw that in there because I think it's the best tool to teach your children the story of salvation uh, history. And so uh, Moses talks to parents and he says, you should teach the word of God diligently uh, when you sit down in your house, when you go to Walmart, uh, when you're uh, taking trips. There's always opportunities to bring Christ into the conversation and to talk about the Lord. You know, the, the German philosophers have a, a phrase called fruchtbare Augenblick, which in German, you don't have to tell me how bad my German is, I know, but fruchtbare Augenblick means translated the fruitful moment. The fruitful moment. There's a moment in the day. There's an opportunity in their life. Something happened at school. They had a dream, came into your room in the middle of the night. Whatever it is, you got a fruitful moment where you can instruct your children and you can bring them to Jesus and allow the Lord to touch him. Now, Jesus was the master at recognizing the fruitful moment, wasn't he? Uh, When he said something, he did something, he took advantage of the fruitful moment, and we as parents should do the same. I'm going to take a break. When I come back, I want to to talk to you about maybe, I don't know, eight, nine, ten different ways that you can bring your children to Jesus and allow him to touch them. And when he touches them, he can do things in their heart that'll go way beyond anything you could ask or think. You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show. Imagine this, you're walking down the street and a Christian at a table with a bunch of pamphlets asks you, have you been saved? What would you do? Would you know how to respond? Hi, I'm Dr. Andrew Swafford and I'm co-presenter along with Jeff Cavins in Ascension's new Great Adventure Bible Study, Romans, the Gospel of Salvation. In this study, we teach you the biblical foundations for the Catholic teaching on salvation, how to explain salvation quickly and easily to non-Christians, what St. Paul really meant by works not leading to salvation, and how we can enter more deeply into Christ. Paul's letter to the Romans has been at the center of reflection, conversion, and controversy from the very beginning, and it's widely considered his greatest work. I invite you to start a small group in your home or parish and embark on this great adventure. Romans, the Gospel of Salvation is available for pre-order right now and for purchase on September 1st, 2019. To order, visit ascensionpress.com. Welcome back. Talking about bringing your children to Jesus. Do you ever get frustrated with uh, the growth of your children? I talk to people all the time and they say, boy, I just, I sure hope what we're doing in the school we're putting our children into is going gonna, is gonna to reap fruit in the future. And it, it can be a little bit frustrating, wondering if, you're, if your kids are getting it. Uh, I have come to learn as I get older and my children are grown that uh, oftentimes if I just bring my children to Jesus, he can do things in their heart and mind that I never knew he would do. I, I, would, not have, I would not have gone down that road, but he had a way of speaking to them if I could just get them to him, right? And that's what we're talking about today. It's our responsibility to get them to him. And then he does what God does in their hearts. Uh, 
I was talking before the break about the fruitful moment, fruitbara augenblick, the fruitful moment in your children's lives, and it reminded me during the break of this scripture that I, I love out of Proverbs 25.11. It'll be in the show notes. A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. You, uh, the picture here is uh, apples of gold, and then you've got this setting, this bowl or, or, or some kind of display of silver, and the apples sit in it, and it's beautiful. And what uh, the writer of Proverbs is saying is, is that uh, a word spoken at the right moment with your children, or anybody else for that matter, is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Look for the setting of silver. So you can put the apples of gold in there. That's the fruitful. That's the fruitful moment. So, what are some of the ways that uh, our children uh, are brought to Jesus, and He can touch them? Well, it starts off very early, doesn't it? It starts off with uh, just days after they are are born. Uh, we bring them to the church, and they uh, are baptized. And when they are baptized, they they are brought into the church. They are. Um, united with Christ at baptism, and their sins are forgiven. Original sin is forgiven. They are given uh, faith, hope, and charity, theological virtues. Uh, those are, those are, 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 are brought into their life, and they are united with the body of Christ. Now, that's something that parents take the initiative to do for their children. And some would argue uh, Non-Catholics would say, "Well, no, you've got to you got to make a personal relationship uh, decision about this. It's not up to your parents." Well, that's not the way it was in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it was a responsibility of the parents to uh, induct their children into the family of God, the people of God. How? Through circumcision. And they were brought in. And then when they were 13, they became uh, sons and daughters of the commandments. They were bar mitzvah. So the, the responsibility to bring our kids into Christ, that's our responsibility. I, I hear this lately where you know, people saying, well, I'm not going to teach my children anything. I'm just going to let them grow up and make their own decision. That is ridiculous. That is so ridiculous. It's like saying, I'm not going to feed my kids the best food that I can. I'm just going to get something for them to eat. And when they get older, they can make a decision as to whether they want to eat healthy or not. It's just bogus. It's it's so silly. And, and it's, it's our responsibility as parents. And so make sure that your children are baptized and and uh, and, and and do a little study on that so that you can, as they grow up, reconfirm in their life what that baptism meant. So that's one way that our children can come and touch Jesus is through baptism. Confirmation is the next one, right? That's one of the one of the sacraments of initi- uh, initiation. You've got baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist. Uh, the confirmation, that is simply put their own their own Pentecost. That's where the power to live the life of Christ comes from. And unfortunately, today, confirmation is sort of a rite of passage, uh, not so much a serious uh, impartation of the power of God for daily living. It is, but, but so often people don't know that. But confirmation is a, is, is a moment where the Holy Spirit can touch your children in such a powerful way, and it becomes even more powerful if you'll do a little catechesis and you'll teach them a little bit, uh, go to the catechism and you can look in the in the uh, subject uh, index in the back under confirmation and read all about it and you can share that with them. And that's one way to bring them to Jesus. Here's another way. 
And we experienced this with all the kids growing up, family prayer. If you have a time of family prayer, uh, you're bringing your children to Jesus. And what we did when all the kids were at home is in the evening, we all went into the kids' bedroom, and we knelt down next to the bed, and we prayed every single night. We prayed every single night. And then before they went to school in the morning, the next day, I laid my hands on each one of them, and I gave them the ironic blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance and give you shalom, right? And so family prayer was a real powerful time where we could bring the kids to Jesus and allow him to touch them. And I will never forget as long as I live, after we dropped Carly, our oldest, off at Steubenville and drove two days home, that next night when we all knelt down on that same bed to pray, I looked down and one was missing. It was Carly. And I got pretty emotional <laughs> that night and I, um, some tears came and my middle daughter looked at my wife and said, what's wrong with dad? And, and uh, Emily said, well, you know, and we, we pray together as a family every day and and then suddenly one is gone. It takes some time to, to get over that. And I remember Jackie looking with this gleam in her eyes. She said, I'm over it. And we all kind of laughed at that point. But family time, family prayer became a time to bring the kids to Jesus. Another big one, weekly mass, right? Weekly mass. Make sure you get to mass every single week because there you're going to bring your children to God's word and you're going to bring children to his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. If they've made their first communion uh, from that point on, that is your responsibility as parents to bring your children to Jesus because that is the greatest source of grace. And grace, I remember one person saying, grace was God's riches at Christ's expense, you know, an acronym, God's riches at Christ's expense. But I, I like the definition of the way the, the church typically talks about grace as the life of the Trinity, the life of the Trinity. And that's what our kids need, right? That's what our kids need. Make sure you bring your children to Mass. And if you're going to go to Mass more than once a week, you might just say to them, and when they're young enough, you can just bring them, say, we're going to go to Mass. Eh, they might give you a little pushback, you know? They might, but that's okay. That's all right. You've got a responsibility. Confession is another one. Uh, to go to confession, anytime I go to confession and the kids are around, I'll say, do you want to go with me to confession? And that's another great opportunity to bring your children to Jesus. In fact, that's what the sacraments are all about, right? Is the sacraments are uh, an opportunity to, to uh, face Jesus and confront Jesus in a beautiful way and, and uh Confession's a good way to do it. So if you're going to go, give them a call and uh, say, hey, we're going to go to confession tonight or we're going to go to confession Saturday morning. Just make sure your schedule's clear. We're going to go together as a family. Another great opportunity is adoration. And I've had several times over the years where uh, I would say to the girls, I'm going to go to adoration. I'd like you to come with me. And sometimes they did and other times they had other things going on. But that's another uh, a great opportunity. And you might even ask yourself, well, Jeff, if I if I bring my kids to adoration, what are they going to do? Well, at the least, they're going to just sit. <laughs> but just sitting with Jesus is pretty cool. And he he can do amazing things. I you know, I talk about you know, sitting in the sun 
We talk about sitting in the sun, S-U-N. Well, sitting in the sun, S-O-N. He can do it. He can, he, can, he can speak to them in a powerful way. You might have a, maybe a devotional for teens or something that you can bring with you and, and let, them, let them look it over during, during adoration. And a lot of good adoration chapels, frankly, uh, have some reading materials in the back, and, and maybe they might want to look at, at that. Or, or you might want to give them a chapter, chapter of the gospel to contemplate during adoration. But bring them to Jesus. Bring them to adoration. Another great one is, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, Bible reading, knowing salvation history, and the, um, the Great Adventure Children's um, uh, study book or um, storybook is is the one that I did recommend to you earlier, and I, I do. I think that's 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 an amazing an amazing thing. Praying the rosary is powerful. That's another way to bring your children to Jesus because the mysteries of the rosary are really the life of Christ, and Our Lady takes us on kind of a tour of the life of Christ. And so, in the rosary, they're going to be brought to Jesus in the the significant acts of his life, the significant events of his life, right? So then um, the last thing I would say is to bring your, your children to Jesus is related to the shape of your life, the way you live. What they hear you say and do is a way to bring Jesus to them because Christ is in you. The way you respond to adversity and suffering and difficult times is one way to bring Christ to them. So that's another important, important uh, way to do it. But uh, you might not be popular, um, but that's okay, right? We got a responsibility to bring our children to Jesus. Let me let me end by telling you an interesting story that that took place when Carly was in high school. Uh, there would be times where, you know, there'd be a teaching moment, we'll say. There's a teaching moment. And, and I'd say to her, sit down at the kitchen table. I want to I I say something to you. I want to teach you something here. And I would get this look from her, the rolling of the eyes, kind of the, what? And uh, it was quite evident that this was not enjoyable <laughs> to listen to dad talk about God or a principle for living or something like that. And uh, later on, I, I came to find out uh, that she thought these were lectures. I didn't see it as a lecture. I just saw dad taking uh, advantage of the fruitful moment and teaching his his daughters. Sit down, sweetie. I want to I want to talk to you about something. Well, when she was in high school, I think it was her junior year. She had an assignment, and the assignment was to write about your favorite memories of you growing up with your dad. And she wrote a paper, which surprised me. She wrote a paper about one of her favorite moments was when her dad would sit her down and lecture her. <laughs> Again, I didn't see it as a lecture. I'm just talking to her. Maybe the kid would you know, perceive it as a lecture. But what really spoke to me was that it was the times where I felt she doesn't like this. This might seem corny. I'm talking about God. Those were the times that she remembered that she liked. Why? Because a loving father is instructing her and talking to her about Jesus and bringing Jesus to her. So don't be afraid. Uh, You're not put on earth to be popular with your kids. You're put on earth to be mom. You're put on earth to be dad. You're put on earth to be an example of Jesus and an on-ramp and one who will bring them 
to the Lord. This is what I got out of the trip, you know, going to Poland. John Paul the Great living right next to the church. And I'm telling you what, my friend, his father took advantage of every opportunity, and so did his mother. And his life became extraordinary. I believe that can happen with you and your children as well. So bring your children to Jesus. Let me read that scripture again in Matthew 19. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to close in prayer and uh, and pray that, that, that God will give you the creative ideas and the opportunities to bring your kids to him so that Jesus can touch them. Before I pray, just a quick opportunity, few openings on the January pilgrimage to Israel. Go to jeffcavens.com under pilgrimages. And in the summer, in June, Father Mike Schmitz and I are leading an epic trip with young adults to the Holy Land. And those seats are open now. You can get them. Go to my website, jeffcavens.com under pilgrimages in June It's going to be the 2020 vision trip. It's going to be incredible. If you have teens or young adults that you know would benefit from something like this, uh, make the sacrifice. Send them to the Holy Land with us. It's going to be a life-changing event. We're going to be talking about 2020 vision for the rest of your life. What's God calling you to? We have great musicians accompanying us, Ali Aaliyah, Taylor Tripodi, Brother Isaiah, uh, Andrew and, and uh, Sarah Swafford from Benedictine are going to be joining us. It's epic. Get them there. It's going to be life transforming. Father uh, Mike Schmitz and I are both very excited about this pilgrimage. Let's pray, shall we? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Lord, I lift up my friend to you and I ask you to bless them. And Lord, if they have children, that you would give them the creativity and the, and the opportunities to bring their children to you, that you would touch them. For those that do not, Lord, have children, may we see opportunities to bring others to you and allow you to do what you do. For Lord, we are so limited in our understanding and power and insight, but you're unlimited. And if we can just get them to you, you can do an amazing work in their life. I pray this, Lord, in your your mighty name, in the name of Jesus, amen. name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I hope you have a tremendous week. I do pray for me, by the way. I'm This weekend, uh, day after tomorrow, I am, or let's see, well, I think when you get this, it'll be the day after. I am going to be in Orange County at Christ Church at the, at the big former Crystal Cathedral doing the Bible Timeline. And um, in October 19th and 20th, I'll be at the Museum of the Bible in Washington doing the entire Bible in one day. The first one sold out. The second day is open. There's a few places left. You can go to ascensionpress.com for that. God bless you. I love you. And you have a great week.